is the Saturday supplement. I'm Frank Lewis. Brendan Country, Duhig Brennan, runs from Valley High, Kerryhead, along the great sandy beaches, by back roads to Artford, then to Feenet, next by Tralee Bay to Blennerville, as part of the Dingleway. Sandy Beach for another two days, first from Derrymore to Castle Gregory, and the next day to Clahan, finally over Brandon Mountain to Brandon Creek, Kusavodig. What better place to tell Brendan's amazing story? The great sea saga throughout medieval Europe. Imagine having a comprehensive archive of medieval and modern Brendan's sources. Having modern scholarship examine these, leading to further publication. What is Brendan's challenge for our world? Imagine having a permanent expression of the story, scholarship and challenge. Next year, from May the 3rd to the 19th, around St. Brendan's Feast Day on May the 16th, on the theme of getting to know St. Brendan better, throughout Brendan country, Duhig Brennan, communities organising and running events. Most of these have been happening for years. Some might be new for 2024. I walked all seven routes of the Brendan pilgrimage in recent weeks, mostly with my wife, Siobhan, over Brandon with my neighbour, Mike Cronin. Today, we're visiting points on all seven walks, hearing about Brendan, comparing nature in his time and ours, looking at the evidence Brendan would have seen as a man who was born and grew up by the sea, evidence that there were other places beyond the known world of his time. I'm joined throughout today's programme by Dr Noel Mulligan, natural resources consultant and former head of MTU's Department of Biological and Pharmaceutical Sciences, and others will join us at all of our stops. Today's programme was recorded on December the 9th, we will use your comments in later programmes. Write Frank Lewis Gillon, Mangerton Road, Muckrus Killarney. Email franklewismangerton at gmail.com. Text us on 083 300 3300 or phone 066 7123 Walking the first leg of the pilgrimage from Ballyhigh to Artfert via Ballyhigh, Banna and Carahan Strands and Casements Fort and back roads to Artfert, a walk of three to four hours. It is 8 a.m., more than half an hour before sunrise. And we were to be at the back of Banner Strand at the entrance there, but it's blowing a gale there in contrast to walking that route a couple of weeks ago when it was warm and calm and beautiful at the same hour, about half hour before sunrise in the morning light. So we moved inland. We're at the back of St. Brendan's Cathedral in Hartford. I'm joined here by... Michal O'Halloran and Brendan Moriarty from Ballyhigh. And as well, uh, as I said, uh, Noel is with us. St. Brendan lived here. What kind of a place was this part of Ireland in Brendan's time? The geography is the same. The landscape is the same. They experienced the life, the weather that he experienced is the same. At the time it wasn't significantly different then? No, very much the same. You would have had your lovely sunny summers, your typical autumns and winters, but the kind of climate that would have made it reasonably harsh to live in but it was a kind of a Goldilocks climate never too hot never too cold a place where there was plenty of rain so plenty of productivity so there was a good reason to live here mm. it was tough maybe uncomfortable but it was still a place that you could eke out a living we're hearing some traffic in the background now but the landscape largely hasn't changed at all no it isn't I think that if you walked along the beaches here particularly and the beaches would have been highways at the time because there was no disruption or interference with your path you could see exactly where you were going but we could put our hands on the rocks and touch the sand that Brendan touched 1500 years ago Brendan walking the beach there's a shipwreck uh, just on the edge of the beach. A lot of people get where they're... 
Uh, it's from a shipwreck. There's a lot of shipwrecks in ben- uh, Ballyhigh Bay and over, over the years. And that particular shipwreck happened in 1897. Where was the ship from? What was it doing? It was coming from Canada and going to uh, England. The shipwreck happened in Ballyhigh and the Ballyhigh people looked after the people. Have you bits of the Delph at home? No, but on the White Sands window, Jimmy Brown, when he was doing up the White Sands, he came on some of it, and there's more of it in the museum inside in Tralee. Michal, the man behind Brendan, is saying, Dirk, the rooks and the jackdaws are agreeing with you. Eric was a brehaver, he was a judge in the High Court, and when uh, partly lit his paschal fire on slain, there was murder about it, because the, the High King was supposed to light the first spring, be out in a fire. He stood up for St. Patrick, he said, give him a, a chance to speak and so on. Patrick was very attracted to him. He converted to Christianity. And Patrick was a very clever man. He used Eric then because Eric had the inside view of the Irish mind. Mm-hmm. He when, became the first bishop of Kerry. And Eric brought his sister, who was uh, Dahelan. And I believe that they came down into Belly Hike first. There was a clear rule, a main road, or a main, it was like the Wall of China. You could walk on the top of it. it you could imagine then when he came to Belly High. I think he, he lodged there for a long time. In Belly High, there's many stories to do with his sister and himself. One is there's about the well in, they found the valley, there's only one deep valley which is, gives shelter from storms and everything else. Mm-hmm. And that valley was used as Glendahelen after uh, St. Dahela. There's a well there, and she had her convent there, or a nunnery there, yeah. her hermitage there. Yeah. It was robbed by the spoilers that went away and they became blind in some fashion. Gosh. Maybe they be, became blind, maybe mentally to the the goodness of life or something. I know. I know. And uh, they came back and they spoke to Dahila and Dahila said, go down and wash your, your uh, eyes right. in the well. And the well became known as Tobur Nasul. Brendan, walking the beaches, there are, I mean, there are so many dimensions to it. There is legend, there's all of nature, as, as Noel has been saying there. There's antiquity, there's history, there's folklore. The people at Billy High walk it every day, really, and we always walk as far as the stick, which is two k- kilometres. It's four kilometres to the Black Rock. Mm-hmm. But uh, an awful lot of people that wouldn't be able to go to the rock would, would walk as far as the stick. And if that stick ever disappeared, there'd be war. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, people that would be that bit better able to walk would, would walk as far as the high sandhill, mm-hmm. and then more people would walk as far as the rock. The Black Rock itself was blasted about 100 years ago and uh, they, t- they took the lime from the Black Rock and brought it up to the, the lime kiln in Ballyhigh and it was spread over them, the farms in yeah. Ballyhigh. You were telling me there while we were down in the racing gale at the back of Banner Beach, 1916, you have a personal association. Well, my grandfather always told me that he was shooting rabbits on the Black Rock in 1916 when Caseman came in. And uh, in one sense, it was good that he probably didn't see him because uh, you, you never know what people around at, at that particular time. He could be <laughs> one of the people that gave way and, uh, uh, like that. Yeah. And thanks be to God, he didn't. He was shooting rabbits. And uh, an awful lot of people in Billy Hike shot rabbits. There was a load of rabbits in the Santos at that, at that particular time. Me- an event or events Bally Hike might put on during getting to know Brendan around the feast day on May the 16th? We have nothing planned yet, but we will do something special. 
a whole lot of shipwrecks, Brendan, weren't there? I mean, there are a great number of shipwrecks in the, on the bottom of, of Tralee Bay. Uh, there's documented about five to six um, shipwrecks, and uh, the people at Ballyhaig, when they were shipwrecked off Ballyhaig, they um, looked after the people very, very well. Mm-hmm. But were there stories about the people of Belly High putting out false lights to get the people uh, onto the rocks? Exactly, the golden line. <laughs> uh, uh, what they actually did was they put a, a horse uh, on, on the cliff. They put a light on, on the horse's neck mm-hmm. and uh, it was like a ship in the distance. It was bobbing up and down so that if a ship was out in Belly High Bay, it, it, it came over towards it. Uh, and um, uh, the Crosbys were renowned, uh, the people of the castle, for um, uh, attacking these ships. The Golden Line is a famous one, really. It there was goes, a big bullion on that, wasn't uh, there? That's right. Yeah. And um, that time, the, the Crosbys are, are supposed to have a, 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 attacked the ship and brought um, the gold bullion with, with, with all the sailors up to the castle. Yeah. It was there overnight, and Lady Crosby... There's a, a court case in Tralee. Some of the, the Crosbys were actually brought up, and, and the, there's a, a court case in Tralee. But the, the bullion was never found. No, it all fits, doesn't it, with what you were saying. The kind of persons, the kind of happenings, the kind of places that Michal and Brendan have been talking about there. But I think we have to cast our mind back a bit further. This is a time when there was no shipping. There was very, very little activity. You're talking about a very small population, maybe the whole country, three or 400,000 people, small communities, no villages, no towns, literally groups of people that had to eke out a living. There was no hiding place. There was no safety net. You had to get up every morning, and a morning like this morning was no different to any other morning. Yeah. You didn't get the kind of weather you wanted to get the things you wanted to get done. You had to hunt for food. You foraged a lot. Of, you went to the beach because the beach is a place where things got thrown up. Right. And materials that you might use for firewood or for building, as well as the odd whale. And if yeah. a whale came ashore, as one did just in the last couple of days, I understand, somewhere in the southwest, a fin whale, that uh, you would um, have probably a feast and gather materials that could be used for all kinds of things. Fuel, oil, fuel, bones for all kinds of physical structures. So, I mean, the beach was a very important place. Michal, you have a final word. Uh, Just to sum up on uh, Bishop Eric, he travelled as far as Cornwall and Wales. He's honoured by the Moscow Patriarchate. Michal O'Halloran, Brendan Moriarty are going to to stay with us uh, because we have another stop close by here and Noel will be with us. Uh, We'll be joined by others. We'll talk to you again in a few minutes. Walking the second day of the Brendan pilgrimage from Art 30 to Art 30 via Weatherswell, Tubernamult, Tarman Irk, the great high views over Barrow Harbour by the Galan Stone to Art 30. About four hours. Now it's just after 8.45, ten minutes after sunrise. We're outside St. Brendan's Cathedral in Art 30. I'm joined by Richard Flaherty, who owns the land and looks after Weatherswell and Ed Carty, the ornithologist, is with us, and Noel Mulligan is still with us, and also the two lads from Ballyhaig, Michal O'Halloran and Brendan Moriarty, are still with us as well. Noel, what we know of Brendan is as Brendan the Saint. What would Brendan, the, the ordinary boy man, have experienced living in these Western Isles about 1,500 years ago? We have very little information of what life was like, not to mind what life for Brendan was like. Mm. But we know he was regarded as somebody special and he was singled out for special treatment in terms of education. But I don't think there was any reason why he wouldn't have had an ordinary existence. He would have had to do the same kind of work as everybody else because 
there was nobody to do it for him. So life at the time, small communities, communities survived on the basis of whatever wisdom they built up and understanding of what they could eke out from nature. There were pastoralists, a small bit of herding of animals, a bit of cultivation of the soil, but a lot of foraging. And again, foraging in this area would have been great in that you would have a coastline with all of what that would have yielded in terms of fish and shellfish and other things thrown up by the sea. Because there's an extensive coastline here of beaches and coves and wetlands and back beaches and the like. So for him, it would be the case every single day, it would be a case of what can I do today to gather food, gather material for fires and the like, that would have been normal. Um, He would have had to cope with the kind of weather we had this morning. Irrespective of the weather, life had to go on. There were times when they would have made hay while the sun shone, so to speak, and gathered whatever they could gather and store it. And then during periods when the weather was tough and difficult to work outside and to forage, they would have had material to work with and to survive on. So he was very much a worker priest? I think so. There was no hiding place. Everybody had to chip in. Nobody had a a cushy number. There was no sort of, I'm I'm tired today, I can't work. It was a case, get (laughs) Get to it. Get out there and do it. (laughs) Richard, what keeps you looking after weathers well every day of the year? Before we bought the land back in 2007, I used to look after the place for the previous owner, Kathleen O'Connor, a lovely lady, and she died when she was 93. So I just still feel as if I'm looking after the place for her. What is it about the place, though, that you're literally every day called there? And there are people going there almost every day. Almost every day, yeah. Uh, there's different people from different different parts of the of, of, of the county, the country, even... even uh, you'd meet a lot of foreigners. So I just enjoy the peace and quiet tranquility down there. Do any of you know the story of the Galan stone down near Artford? Nobody? I think, who was telling me about it, that the story was that the, the plans, Erk presumably, or whoever went before him, were planning this great church to be built here. And they were up where the Galan stone outside Artford here now is. And evidently the plans were blown away and they landed on this spot, which they took as a divine intervention to indicate that the cathedral should be built here. Ed, you tell me the cathedral and nearby friary once held nesting three sparrows, but now it seems they're no longer a breeding species in, in Kerry. Why? Tree sparrows are not like the, the house sparrows that a lot of people have around their houses. They're, they're a beautiful little bird. They have a chestnut crown and nape and a black mark on their cheek. Other than that, they're just a sparrow. But there are very selective ruined buildings, such as the cathedral. I don't know is the answer. It wouldn't have been anything like disturbance. I know in some species like uh, swifts, when people come in and um, repair soffits and stuff like that to, to old buildings, they can cover up holes that the swifts might be using. And perhaps something similar was done. But it was on the east face of cathedral as we stand looking at it there. Mm-hmm. And that's where they were nesting. And I remember way back in the late 90s and 2000s coming here and seeing them. And they have a distinctive call as well. But also in the friar as well, I'd seen them around there. But they seem to be gone as a whole from um, Kerry's a breeding species. You come across the occasional small flock of maybe five or ten birds. Are they in other parts of Ireland? Oh yeah, they're common in various places, big flocks up around Balbriggan in North County Dublin and these places. But they're a real uh, bird of pasture land, but they do like to go into um, ruined buildings and ruined houses and stuff like that. Like you know, So um, so they shouldn't have done up the cathedral? Oh uh, no, I'm not saying that. <laughs> <laughs> One story I do have about uh, St. Brendan, because uh, I had been reading a bit since you were in touch with me, Frank. They came along this coastline and they came across a, a, a stream or river and they followed it up its, up to its source. And at some stage there was a tree nearby covered in an amazing flock of white birds. Now, 
I suppose finding out first of all where, the, where this land was is the main thing but presumably it was much further north in Ireland and if, if that's the case I have to believe that the birds were terns probably arctic terns now you might argue well terns are normally going to trees and I have an answer for that too is because they like to land on ground and that's where they do their nesting and all that stuff but perhaps the ground was very marshy or the ground was flooded and they didn't have a place to land on the ground they don't like getting their feet not so much wet but muddy shall we say so a tree would have been an obvious perch for them a suitable perch mm-hmm. while they were overlooking maybe the river or the nearby sea to go fishing so that would be my take on that that very story after turns possibly possibly very, very good Richard that local route walking from here Weatherswell Terminark high views over Barrow Harbour the Gillonstone back to Artford quiet country roads friendly people looking for directions it's a special route it's a very special route yeah when we were walking there a couple of weeks ago and we couldn't find our way we luckily met uh, somebody travelling in a, a vehicle who pointed out the way to us was that myself? That was you. That was <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I wasn't. I wasn't aware of of the the, the route down to Terminark Yeah. Until I, I I've since found out that route. It would be a lovely route to signpost, wouldn't it? And uh, because it, it is, it is a nice walk from here, and it's the roads are quiet. There isn't too much traffic. No, there's it. not very little traffic, and uh, yeah, it's a nice route and a very scenic route. It'd be nice to tie together Weatherswell with Terminark and with the Gillonstone and with those high views because the, the kind of sea that Brendan would have been familiar with. It still fits, Noel, doesn't it, what Ed has been saying? Brendan maybe saw these uh, tree sparrows that are not here any longer. A comment that's probably worth making is that there were very few distractions in his world. Everything that they did relied on them being observant and understanding what nature was all about. Mm-hmm. The cycles of nature, the seasons what was going to be available to them in any place. They would know where to go to catch salmon, to catch eels at the time of year when they were going to be abundant and they'd know how to catch them as well and this was all wisdom that was built up over time so I think there was very much a case of a community of people living together but working in a very, very tight local community and to an extent having a certain amount of contact with outsiders Mm -hmm. so I think that's something that probably was important as well. The flow of information from other communities elsewhere and the building up of wisdom so the people become better at surviving in what is a pretty harsh climate to survive in. There's no fruit that falls off the trees here. You have to go and get it. Uh, like in a lot of things, I suppose Brendan would have followed uh, the birds, uh, possibly migrating north. Not much to do with the Arctic turns, but he would have possibly been following the Brent that are here at the moment in Tralee Bay in vast numbers and maybe the Hooper Swans and they would have all been moving back up towards Iceland and neighbouring countries, neighbouring areas and he could have just been following them. Uh, he must have wondered anyway, mustn't he? He must yes, have wondered exactly. where, why they were or where yeah. they were or uh, where a, they went. A is a, a kind of a, possi- a possible food source and B, well if they're going there there must be land up there. Richard? May 16th, the feast, uh, feast is, is a time when obviously it's very busy in Wethersville. Lots of people visiting then, yeah. The, there's mass there usually on, uh, on the evening of, of, of the 16th. It's very well attended. There's mass there a number of times a year, aren't Yeah, there's mass there. The, the, the priest had organised uh, dawn mass there for Easter Sunday morning, but unfortunately the weather, worried about the weather, so he, he cancelled it that morning, so... A lot of people showed up, and my job was to, to turn away the people. But Any particular plans for 2024? <laughs> Keep putting the grass. Brendan, walking that beach from Ballyhigh 
people that walk the beach from time to time, a lot of them have worries. What they, they, they find when, by, by the time they reach the Black Rock, that all those worries have disappeared. And you have people that have walked the beach over the years, and the amount of uh, uh, big worries, as big as sand hills, really, like that. And now those worries are gone. It's amazing how people shouldn't worry because those people years ago their worries are no more. The cathedral here certainly would be a wonderful place to tell the story, use modern technology to tell the story of Brendan but that's the story for another day. Richard, thanks for joining us and again Michal and Brendan are leaving us at this stage. We're going to cover the route from here to feed it. We'll talk to you from there. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry, brought to you in association with Virgin Media. Stay connected this Christmas with Ireland's best broadband. The seven-day pilgrimage recorded on December the 9th, comments for later use, text 083 300 3200, on this Brendan pilgrimage. On the third day, the route is from Artford to Fenet via Churchill. Say a prayer in the church. See the stained glass window in the back of the church showing the pelican in time of hardship feeding its young with its own blood. In the church grounds, visit the grave of Father Gerard O'Donoghue, who was a great Brendan champion. And it took us about an hour, I think, to get that far. And then you have two options. Either go the short route by Barrow Harbour, a great number of migrant seabirds on November the 20th, to Fenet, about another hour. The longer route via the spa here joined the Tralee Fenet Greenway looking down on Tralee Bay with the Shreve Mish Mountains in the background to Fenet. That's about two hours. I'm joined from Fenet's St. Brendan's Committee by Abby Murphy. Ed Carty is still with us as well as Noel Mulligan. Noel, thinking of the places that Brendan would have known in his early life, how, how did these contribute to his understanding of the natural world, which surely were important for his journey into the wild Atlantic? Yeah, well, I'm a marine biologist, I'm an ecologist. I spend a lot of time at sea, fisheries, aquaculture, and a lot of work on the shoreline. And if I walk into the shoreline here, and as I did in the last couple of weeks, you come across stuff that has to make you wonder. You come across the by-the-wind sailor, a tiny organism there in the hundreds of thousands, washed in from God knows where. Tiny little sail on its back. Where might they be from? They're from the mid-Atlantic. What it is is that they're an unusual little species about the size of a a 20 cents coin, and they've got a sail on their back. They're oval in shape, and the sail can be in two orientations. One of them brings those uh, organisms to the west coast of, our, of, of uh, Europe and the sail, when it's located in the other direction, puts them in the other, on, uh, towards the American coast. Phenomenal. They come in and they're hundreds of thousands. And over what distances have they travelled? Oh, they're travelling thousands of miles. But they're, they're actually floating on the surface. Uh, they have a system for feeding like jellyfish. They're a kind of a jellyfish. Very like the Portuguese man-of-war, which we see here as well on this beach at times. Kind of a dangerous species. Again, Brendan would have seen these couldn't eat them. They weren't up to much good, but for him, as uh, they wouldn't have been useful, uh, he'd have been interested in seeing uh, shellfish and things like seaweed, because seaweed could be used, and they would have spent a lot of time collecting seaweed from the beaches for their fields. Mm-hmm. But he would have seen these things, and he would have seen logs washed in with goose barnacles on them. 
there was folklore to suggest that goose barnacles must have had something to do with the barnacle geese because the barnacle geese had to come from someplace. Yeah. And there was a kind of a, a folklore suggesting that these goose barnacles, which you see washed up today, I saw them even there last week, somehow were part of the life cycle of the barnacle goose because we never saw their eggs or their young. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, all of this would have got him wondering the fact that these birds fly in from northern parts there must be land up there. We know the swallows fly in from the south, but we know about the land to the south, the continent, right down to Africa. So there would have been an understanding of where those birds come from. But the birds coming from the north, what was that all about? They'd have seen whales passing up and down the coast and the odd one being beached, and as I mentioned, mm-hmm. them being a valuable resource for food, meat, oil for fires and the like, and materials like whalebone for structural materials for building. So lots of hints that there were places that that, that the world didn't know about at that time. Absolutely, but as well as that, we must remember, they spent a lot of time on the coast. I mean, they were in their small boats. They were competent sailors. They would have actually maybe not sailed very far, but the guys here would have sailed up to the coast of Galway, up to Donegal. The guys in Donegal would have sailed up to Scotland. The guys in Scotland would have sailed up to Norway. So there was that wisdom running the whole way from the African coast. So that information would have been built up. Mm -hmm. There was obviously an awareness that there wasn't a cliff out of the edge of the ocean that you fell off. Contrary to the belief. Yeah, the and so yeah. But these guys wouldn't have risked it too much. I mean, they would have stayed coastal because there was no reason to go any further. Yeah. Unless, as was the case in Brendan, somebody gave him a mission. There's something to go for out there that's going to drive you to go looking for what's out west. Amazing. Abby, you must have so many stories. You, you were very close to Father Road. Father Road once sat me down and he said to me, oh, you do realise that St. Brendan was the first person to discover America? And I said, oh, God, this is one of these stories that they, you tell down the pub and you, you kind of, yeah, oh, yeah, have another whiskey. And yeah. He said, no, no, it's true. And, you know, naively, I knew nothing about St. Brendan. So when I actually sat and listened to Father Grove tell me the story about how that spirit of adventure took Brendan to America... I was blown away, and I was like, why doesn't the rest of the world know about this? Ed, the point that Noel was making there about these migrant birds, people like Brendan must have wondered. Following the birds and seeing the birds disappear in the spring and, and in the winter, and new birds arriving and birds leaving, the terns all over the place around here in the summer, breeding on the Maharese, but coming in here on low tide to, to dive into the water and catch sand eel and sprat. The Brent geese coming in and there are thousands into the bays and in amongst them you get similar type species to the Brent but from different areas such as the dark-bellied Brent goose which comes from Scandinavia and Finland and the black brant which comes from the Canadian Arctic and they're all intermixed rare enough but you do get them if, if you're patient enough to go through the 5,000 or so Brent geese that winter in Tralee Bay every year so that's an ordeal but he would have seen all these things happening another doom and gloom story for you Frank along with the tree sparrows another bird that Brendan would have undoubtedly seen is the great auk now sadly extinct in the world no longer with us the last Irish one was captured alive off the Waterford coast in 1834 and they were flightless much like a penguin, but only about the size of maybe a razor bill or uh, an earlier would have started a fire and you would just cook your bird over that, pluck it and that. Brendan would have been, I think, would have been following the birds as any seafarer would have been, as well as beachcombing for mm. barnacles and all that kind of stuff, Indeed. like, you know? Indeed. On our walk from Artford, we walked over Cahar Arda and looked down on Fenet Island, both places strongly associated with Brendan's birth. The 26-kilometre Brendan Way, Schlieve Rainen, 
connecting seven sites from Brendan's early life, led by the uh, Brendan Heritage Committee in Fianna, has an audio guide, a new audio guide and story map that can be downloaded free as well as the new display panels on the linked Brendan Heritage Park. And Garrow's great achievement was the, the huge sculpture, the statue of Absolutely, Brendan. I mean, yes, exactly. Uh, it I mean, really stands out for miles around, doesn't ab- it? It's become a landmark. I used to see him go out on his boat, um, Father Grode, mm-hmm. and I used to worry about him because I used to say, oh, no, you know, make sure you ring me when you come back and have you got enough this or have you got enough that? And he said, listen, I don't need a wife. I'm fine, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Just leave me alone. But his spirit of adventure is very much stemmed from St. Brendan. I'm always looking out for those strange things like the by-the-wind sailor, the turtles that sometimes get washed up, you know, the loggerheads and the leatherbacks, the whales and that, because they are telling you something about where we're living. We're living on an island, and out west is that wonderful ocean that throws up these massive swells and brings in these things like coconuts and exotic seeds from faraway places. Brendan saw those. He wondered. And he saw an awful lot more fish than we have here today. So they lived on the coast. And one of the things that we have at our back here is a magnificent inner tree bay, which, when the tide goes out, drains, 90% of it drains out on a spring tide. And all along the rim there is a a phenomenal resource that Brendan and all of his community would have harvested, which is the oysters and the mussels. Abby, have you brought the message of Brendan back home? I have, yeah, I have. My home for me is in Croydon, in Surrey. Again, they think it's a tall story. They think that I'm living, uh, like, on the we- west coast of So they of think Ireland. your mind has become... They think yeah. I've, be- I've become warped and I've just come up with all these w- old, why, old, old t- stories about yeah. this seafarer that discovered America. But, I mean, as fantastical as it sounds, it's true. It, it, he existed. He, he came from here. He's, you know, and to, to be here and to walk the, the ground that he walked, you get a sense of his presence. Abby Murphy, thanks indeed. Ed is leaving us at this stage, unfortunately, as well. Noel and I will battle on, and uh, we'll talk to you from Derry Morley. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry, brought to you in association with Virgin Media. Stay connected this Christmas with Ireland's best broadband. The fourth day of the Brendan Pilgrimage is from Fianet to Derrymore via Fianet Tralee Greenway to the Spa, a track along Tralee Bay. On November the 21st, great numbers of migrating seabirds, geese, ducks, gulls, and then to Blennerville, and then a steep rise up, and then we went along the Dingle Way, great high views over all of Tralee Bay, Brandon Mountain, the Mahary Islands, and Kerry Head. And that took us, I think, about five hours I'm joined again by Noel Mulligan and poet Brittany Voron. And we were to, to have had this session down at Derrymore on the, on the seafront there, but as has happened at every place we've gone to today, the wind is still very strong, so we had to retreat indoors. So we're actually in the porch in St Brendan's Church in Corraheen. We're in Inner Tralee Bay here. Noel, what, what would Brendan have seen here? Oh, Brendan and his mates would have been very happy to be in stomping these grounds. Very open, very easy to move around. Beaches, back strands, 
in the Derrymore Spit is uh, a very, very productive area. Again, a lot of fish in this area. The backwater here would have had things like mullet that were easy enough to catch and would be very, very su- substantial in terms of sustenance. But the Inner Bay itself, and it's notable today for its oyster fishery, it's been there for hundreds yeah. of years. Yeah. There would have been oysters here way back then, and those oysters would have been accessible from the shore at low water. And again, the nourishment that would have got from good oysters. And there's mussels here, and again, there would have been the seasons of for mackerel and herring coming into the bay, and because of the shallow water here, there would have been devices they would have used to trap their fish. And that was very, very important food, very, very nutritious in protein and in oil, very energy-giving. Mm. And of course, also the inner bay here is a great place for migrating birds. A good goose would be a, a nice thing to have for the table. Mm. They were in, in here, difficult enough to catch, but they would have been ingenious in how to go about catching what they needed. It's close to a five-hour walk from Fina to Derrymore. That was my way, but Breed, it wouldn't have been Brendan's way. No. Father Gerard O'Donoghue, God rest him, in his book about Brendan said, Brendan would have sailed or a road over here to West Kerry. His mother was from Corcogheen, we don't know exactly where, but it would just have been half an hour's job for him to row across here. He would have come into Derrymore Strand, Derrymore, and they revoured the great oak wood. So I imagine at that time that this place would have been completely wooded and the oak was very, very highly prized, and still is. It was so highly prized, it was one of the nobles of the wood, Arig Fida, and there was a huge fine of two and a half milch cows if you knocked down and removed one of the nobles, like the oak, the ash, the apple, the holly, the hazel, the pine, and yew. Yeah. Another thing about this Derivour and the, the Strand is that Walter Raleigh and Spencer and Lord Grey, when they were going west to Dunnor, that's how they went. And that place was very famous for its sand. It was full of lime, and the farmers used to come with their horses and carts and take it away and use it to fertilise the land. And not too far from here also, Brendan might have visited Kileltine because Elton was also a North Kerry saint. And Brendan and Elton were quite likely, well they were, Brendan was and his people, were pre-patrician Christians. Mm. Because the south of Ireland had already been Christianised even before Patrick came. So Brendan might have visited Elton in his little cell. And there's a, a wonderful verse by the hermit in the woods and it's Tha Bahana Gumsachil Nachfis Akegmahirna Fincogavus Kalthev Hal Crownmoor Ord Ayana I have a hut in the wood and nobody knows about it except my lord. Here in Ash and there a hazel, a great tree overall sheltering it. And the great tree of course was the Dar the Oak. The greenway from Phoenix, looking down into Lee Bay, the old path along the edge of the water from the spa to Blennerville, after that steep uphill pull on the road to the Dingle Way, now that great panorama over all of Tralee Bay, as I mentioned earlier, Brandon Mountain, the Maharees and, and Kerry Hitton. Even though the place was heavily wooded, by running along the coast, the wind has a very handy way of pruning 
large trees, it just tosses them over. So you would have had, where you weren't travelling by sea, you weren't travelling on the highway otherwise, but you were travelling along coastal strips where there were pathways up along the banks of rivers. Mm -hmm. But it was a case that the the panoramic views that he had here, and I alluded to it before, is that if you stood on top of Brandon, and I stood up in Kilcairn and Galway, I could see Brandon Head 80 miles away. You don't get that in the Midlands. Down here you get these phenomenal panoramic views and actually visionary views that give you a very good sense of where you are and what you've got to deal with in terms of potential. But the other thing then is that they were boat people of a significant degree of skill. Anything to do with boats. Building them, repairing them, provisioning them and knowing how to go out of them and knowing when to go out and when not to go out was part and parcel of their day's work. Because they had to be able to work and harvest what they needed to harvest but they couldn't be risky because they could lose all. That point that Noel was making there, Breed, about the kind of visionary dimension, that's an explainer, isn't it, of Atlantis and High Brazil and all of that sort of thing? High Brazil, that was seen once every seven years off the Kerry coast. And we were speaking earlier here about Duchus and the stories that were collected. And there's an account of children playing back in West Kerry and they suddenly saw this amazing island rising out of the sea and they made to go on it but of course it disappeared and uh, all the medieval stories are all talk about this Unfrazil, the magic island that rises and there was a programme done about it on TG Cahar and they said it's actually a type of an illusion or a, a mirage on the sea just an exercise of the imagination Not reflecting anywhere really? No Noel, the coastline of this fourth stage is very distinctly different, isn't it? The area to the north there, we're into the flatlands. We're yeah. now moving out from the flatlands into the mountains area. Yeah. And we're moving away from the inner bay now, which has got its, its mudflats, its sand spits, Derry Moor, the Maharese, and then out into the open ocean. And the open ocean is a quite a, an energetic environment. It levels anything that comes in its way. So yeah. you're moving into the mountainous area, where you've got cliffs and high coastline, craggy shores, very rough exposed shores and the odd little creek a place that gives you access to the water which you otherwise wouldn't have on such an exposed coast. Breed introduce your poem This is a haiku one of the shortest poems I've written I had my hand on the dictionary and I said to the group that I was with you can write a haiku about anything at all and that's when this struck me Sholan Antilonoch the Isle Man sails the parchment boat of his life around the world. The great three-day Kerry Camino walk on May the 3rd, 4th and 5th, as well as the Getting to Know Brendan Better Festival, straddling May the 16th and Brendan's Feast Day, as well as activities organised and, and run by the communities, special activities with schools run by Kerry Museum, an exhibition in Kerry County Library. Jim Satira, the National Folk Theatre, they're doing a special show inspired by Brendan, and they will include an exhibition of Brendan Voyage paintings. There's so much to inspire here. I remember an Italian friend coming here, and she could not get over the way the light changes every five minutes. So you think of that inspiring artist. You think of the blossoming of the arts, really, that has happened in the peninsula over the last 30 or 40 years. People are coming from all over, and they're painting, they're creating wonderful music, as uh, Sean Davies did. But you have all the local musicians that have won so much fame for their 
local music, really, and have raised it to, to a world stage, if you like. And poets, I mean, I think of uh, Nolan O'Connell especially, who mined the folklore of the mermaid coming in from the sea and um, a local man, a fisherman, catches her and catches her cloak and hides it up in his loft and they get married and they have children and one day he goes off uh, somewhere and she goes up to the, the loft, finds the cloak and heads back to the sea again and how that image of the mermaid becomes an image, I suppose, of a woman who is out of her place, not at ease with herself maybe part of the modern mind on Farouk, the mermaid it's, uh, as you say, so, I mean, the, the festivals in Dingle itself, and the, the amount that has gone out from, obviously, people like the, the Bakeleys and what they've done to music and so on. Tr- tremendous amount of creativity. Absolutely. Mary Black has a house back there. So many other people. Donna Hennessy have moved in. Of course, Steve Cooney, an utter, utter genius. genius. And all of those, combined with the local music, have raised the, the level of performances, really, to, to world standard, I would say. Very good. Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry. Brought to you in association with Virgin Media. Stay connected this Christmas with Ireland's best broadband. The Saturday Supplement with Frank Lewis on Radio Kerry. I'm Frank Lewis, walking the seven-day St. Brendan's pilgrimage route from Ballyhigh to Brandon Creek. My trek was on different days over two weeks in November. Your vision for Brendan, which we will use in later programmes, write Frank Lewis, Gillon, Mangerton Road, Buckris, Killarney. Email franklewismangerton at gmail.com or you can text 083 300 or phone 066 712 With me all day, National Resource Consultant Noel Mulligan and for much of the day, poet Breedney Voron. The fifth day of the pilgrimage is from Derrymore to Castle Gregory 
along the Dingle Way, most on Sandy Beach, like most beach treks west, they're best done over low tide to mid tide with very different characteristics on the different beaches. The Slievemish Mountains on your left, Brandon Mountain west, the Maharee Peninsula and Islands northwest. A walk of about three hours. We're also joined by Martin Lynch, the author of The Land and People of Maharees and Castle Gregory, 1560 to 1960. By the way, we were to be down at Castle Gregory Beach on Trilly Bay, but as I've said to you several times today, the wind is blowing too strong. We just wouldn't have been able to record down there. And we're in another church. We're in Castle Gregory Church at the back of the church. Noel, down on the beach there, we would have had a commanding view of the whole of what we know today as Tralee Bay, with Brandon Bay and the ocean to the west of the Mahari Tambola. What should Brendan and his companions have observed that prompted him to look west beyond Brandon Bay into the wide Atlantic Ocean, which was then really unknown and unfamiliar. They themselves may not have gone the whole way to Africa, but they would have known people that sailed up and down the French coast, the Spanish coast, down to Africa, and the lore would have come along that there was a land down there. They would have also sailed up the west coast, up as far as Donegal and onto the Isles of Scotland, and up beyond that. And again, they were familiar with the fact that there was land there, but there was obviously this suspicion there was land further west. Breed, the story of St. Bridget and St. Brendan. St. Bridget hung her cloak on a sunbeam and when St. Brendan tried he didn't succeed (laughs) and he said what's the meaning of this and she said is your mind always on God and he said yes it is except when I'm very busy minding my business and trying to stay afloat she said my mind has been on God ever since I became conscious so that's why she's a number two saint instead of St. Brendan. <laughs> and luckily we have a woman patroness as well. And we're going to be celebrating Indeed. her. On, on, on February the That's 6th. That's right, yeah. Feast Huge day. occasion. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Martin, to, to move the wheel in a different direction, the story of the Land League on canoes out to sea here. The 1880s was a time of agricultural recession, poor weather, and the expectations of farmers was constantly increasing. And by the mid-1880s, the farmers weren't happy with the land court reductions that they had got in the early 80s, and they were continuing to look for further reductions to the level of Griffith's valuation, which was around here, completed in 1849, just after the famine, at a time of very bad agricultural recession. So it was uh, a bit excessive to be looking for reductions such as that. So that led to boycotting and agrarian outrages and as a result evictions. In 1885 there was 12 evictions alone around the Castle Gregory village here. But things got so bad in 1886, Alexander Gray, the district inspector in Dingle, reported that the Castle Gregory district was still very disturbed and the people were afraid to report outrages and inform on their neighbours and a reign of terror prevails. And in 1886 itself, seven families were evicted in one day in Maharees. The National League was very strong in Castle Gregory and after the introduction of the Crimes Act, end of October, early November 1886, the Belliferta branch held an offshore meeting to circumvent the Crimes Act. On the following 20th of November, outside this church, after 11.30 Mass was over, the brass band struck up, a number of local horsemen and the whole committee of the National League, they gathered together and they all headed down Bourne at Shaw, down the Strand Road to Castle Gregory Beach. And it was said that the stillness of the water, the stillness of the water was broken only by shouts in favour of William O'Brien. The cheers for O'Brien grew louder when a flotilla of corrucks from the Warren and Akashla came around the point and came into view. And their purpose was to hold a meeting 
offshore. And under the Crimes Act, they were prevented from holding meetings on land. They figured that if they went out to sea and held a meeting, they, they couldn't be prosecuted. So the courts were immediately swamped by the crowd that had assembled at the beach. And they were laden to almost sinking points. But just as they were about to leave the shore, the RIC and their sergeant landed, panting and excited. And the sergeant standing at the shore shouted at the men, I warn you to hold no meeting of the National League. But his calls were met with derisive laughter and more cheers for William O'Brien. And the flotilla made its way. It was said that the oars keeping time to the strains of the wearing of the green which the band had struck up. And a, a number of the constabulary lined the seashore and a couple of local men on horses rode their horses up and down in front of them. The children booed and uh, groaned against Arthur Balfour and a couple of young fellas were later convicted of splashing the policemen's tunics as they passed by <laughs> with the salt water. That led to their arrest and conviction and removal to prison led to a whole major event in Castlegregory a few days later. We uncover more and more about archaeological sites as technique and technology and so on develops. Are we discovering more of the mind, the skills that people had, skills that we, we don't imagine now? I think there's a great interest, for example, in herbs and herbalism, using natural treatments and things like that. I suppose, as regards poetry, we admire the skills of those who wrote poems a thousand years ago, for example, and we are not able to imitate them because time has moved on, taste has moved on. So I suppose every generation puts itself in form or in tune with the knowledge that is available to them and what is given to them by their ancestors. You have a poem about the sea. I have, yes. And just to preface it by saying how lucky I feel I am to have lived by the sea almost all my life and to know the sea in all its different moods, wild and calm, whispering, gathering tides flowing and so on, um, I think it, it develops a, a peaceful, a calm mind. Seeds of intuition. The breast of the imagination, I suckle the lively child, while the mammals of the deep sing the cradle song of dreams, shohin show, ilolo. I'm the mermaid's purse that scatters seeds of intuition, they open out into bright flowers of joy in the garden of the heart. You will see in me smooth waters, a great wave of love or strong floods of loneliness, while the stars overhead guide your boat to port. Shilta Anomish Uch na salwich the me, kahim and postin sharok, fadichan and milton dinner, shohin shown a dairiv kabog is kabin. Ismayon Pooch, as a scap and shield the numish, couldn't she the bach blow on a gallon evenish in ordeen and free? Keer on them lane shook hewin, only more in the shirke, no tilt to train the oidnish, is Toreen the railthos mahewn, the vodeen, quincuin. And yes, I was good. The Maharis is a living example of the tension between man making a living and, and the environment. I mean, Martin, I suppose things like erosion or camper vans and so on are examples of that here. Yeah, we seem to be at the, the interface of a lot of what has going, going on the, in, in recent years and what's likely to come. And if we were in Castlegary Car Park at the moment, 
we could see the evidence of the coastal erosion and the damage that the coastal erosion when it took, took away large sections of that car park and it's still under construction thanks to Kerry County Council who are repairing it but I remember not so long ago maybe 20-30 years how on either side of, of that car park it was protected on both sides by vast sand dunes and those sand dunes now have retreated to such an extent that the car park itself is actually protruding onto the beach effectively yeah. and looking at the work this morning and it seems to be a very robust job but as an isolated car park like that protruding onto a sea, onto the beach will, will come under greater pressure in the future. In, in, in Maharese, the, the battle is, is ongoing. And the, the battle seems to be concentrated, and we seem to have concentrated our attention on sand dunes. Well, you know, we, we have this impression of sand dunes being soft and easily eroded, which they are. But there is a good, good dune protection of, of marram grass and a lot of the work of Mahari's conservation in recent years has been preserving the sand dunes and preserving the marram grass because the roots of the marram grass is very good at binding the sand together and stopping, stopping it from blowing. But uh, an area I would be concerned is the soft boulder clay cliffs. The sand dunes will all may be eroded in the winter, but they tend to recover during the summer. There's a kind of a cycle within them. Mm. But the boulder clay cliffs when they're eroded, and a lot, there's a lot of low-lying boulder clay cliffs in Maharese, um, once they're eroded, they're gone forever. That, that land is gone. So is, is, is the Maharese about to become an island? I wouldn't say any time soon, but the projections, if you look at the OPW maps, there are areas just north of the, of the Trench Bridge where the OPW do predict, they do see the natural sea level rise for, is it 2050, as covering the road there. But we would be hopeful that Kerry County Council would protect its own infrastructure, i.e. the roads, the water supply, uh, and so on. As for protecting private land, I, I, I don't see that as a... As a in the future. We're going to leave here and we're going to go on towards Clahan. We'll talk to you from there with you. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry, brought to you in association with Virgin Media. Stay connected this Christmas with Ireland's best broadband. The sixth day of the Brendan pilgrimage from Castle Gregory to Clahan on the sandy beach of the, the great arc of Brandon Bay the waves of some of the most challenging surfing south Stradbally Mountain west the ever more dominating Brandon right out to Brandon Point the headland leaving the beach at Fermoyle by the inner bay that is mudflats at low tide hundreds of black and white seabirds as well as Knoll and Breed and Martin Lynch. We were hoping that Michael Graney was going to join us, but that doesn't appear to be going to happen. Just before I ask you, Noel, I mean, what we were looking out there as at the point we were going to stop, and there were huge numbers of birds in there. The whole of Bay is uh, a haven for birds because it's very, very productive. There is agricultural land around it. It generates a lot of runoff. But even the sea is providing a lot of nutrition. So you get a lot of growth in uh, algae. But as well as that, all of the mudflats contain invertebrates, things like little worms and little snails. And they're the lifeblood for the wading birds that come here in the wintertime. They were all one kind of bird that we were looking out there. What we came across there when we stopped was uh, a group of Brent geese. Tralee Bay is famous for Brent geese. When the tide is well out, they feed on what's called eelgrass, which is it's a, a flowering plant that lives in the sea. It's not a seaweed, and it grows in the mudflats. 
I should have said we're not there because again of the wind and we're at the back of another church we're in the porch in St Brendan's Church in Clahan, another St Brendan no, mountain and sea are harsh and unforgiving masters. What's it about the coastline of the area that Brendan was familiar with that was conducive to and prompted him to look at the West to find out what was out there, whether it was mythical or real? I'm smiling now because we've actually come West. We've come out of the lovely sheltered inner bay, the estuaries, where living was relatively much easier than it is out here. On a bad day, you could still work inside there because you're in the shelter behind Derrymore and the Maharees. But once you're out beyond the Maharees, you're out here now, you're, you're camping out. Yeah. You begin to see the sea swell building up. This is swell that's come right across the Atlantic. Big, big mountains of sea, of water on the move, bashing up against the, the cliffs that we're going to see very shortly. Mm. So this place was a place where you're going to get the worst of the weather. The guys that could survive on boats out here would survive anywhere on the coast and right up yeah. out into deep water because this is as harsh as it gets. So this familiarity with this type of sea conditions, their familiarity with the kind of boats they had, it was all well within their grasps. So they wanted to know what was out there because these guys were... There was an exploration as well as a, a mission of, of discovery. Breed, Clahan is known for the great contest between Crom Dove, the champion of the Old Order, and St. Brendan, the champion of the new Christian religion. St. Brendan has his gospel and Crom Dove had his bull and the two of them were put on the scales and the, the gospel won anyway and that was the end of Crom Dove. You were talking about the, the wildness of the ocean here, but sometimes when I come here, it's just incredibly calm and so beautiful. And I remember once seeing this most amazing sight of a pod of dolphins coming almost to the shore, doing their twirl and going back out again. And I think Brendan must have been enchanted by the sea and by the, the wonders of the sea. Martin, from Oil House, one of the many properties of the Hickson family, one of the family, Robert Conway Hickson, didn't cover himself in glory during the famine. As we look out the door of the church here, we can see a round hill in the distance. And Formile is an anglicised version of Formile, which literally means the round hill. We're looking across what they call the Saline, the mudflats when the tide recedes. John Hickson acquired Formile in, in 1712, and he passed it on to his great-grandson, Robert Conway Hickson. He was the local landlord himself and Lord Ventry, shared the area, Stradbley, Maharese, Castle Gregory. He did a lot of good work. He, he was elected chairman of the Relief Committee in, in Castle Gregory when the famine broke out, and he employed a lot of labourers in that marsh area between his house, the road and the sea in draining that. But he came in for an awful lot of criticism when he was accused of abdicating his responsibility to his tenants because he went off and lived in his residence in York Street, just off Stephen's Green in Dublin. His agent was Richard Norris, who lived in Stradbury House by the bridge there, by the graveyard in, in Stradbury. Mm. But it, it, he didn't seem to be too much criticised beyond that. Now, he, he had been a Catholic who converted to Protestantism and was a very fervent Protestant. The lack of temperance by the Catholic locals seemed to be a big concern of his, especially the people who were heading back towards Castle after Clahan, Patterson Day, and their behaviour on the road beside him. And uh, he wrote letters to the papers complaining about debauchery and so on. And uh, he got a few stones through the window uh, in response to that. Yeah. 96-year-old Sheila Mulcahy and her late husband, Aidan, for over 50 years, served many from Clahan, Brandon, Castle Gregory and Camp in their unique man-skull on Litruig. There's a tea and coal here, a gathering of musicians and singers and people who, who recite poems and stuff like that. And Mrs Mulcahy comes and she sings 
her songs in French and in Irish. I think French and Irish were her subjects, I'm not sure now, but she spent time in France and still has fluent French. I have a memory of a brilliant teacher uh, who taught me English and French to Leaving Cert to the benefit of education in La Mulcahy set up their school. First of all in the Pierce Hall in Castle Gregory uh, eventually moving back to the Coast Guard's house. The man was at Enser who was appointed to retrieve the, the copper of the of the Port Yarrick and Sheila of course wrote a, a great book later on detailing the Port Yarrick but uh, as I stand at the door here now I can see the red roof of the school there's so many memories but it was always said that you'd know the boys who went to Mulcahy's as we called it from the boys who went to the green because their shoes would be white from playing soccer on the beach Brandon and the valleys that run deep into the mountains, steep cliffs, harsh weather and landscape, a place where sheep farmers eke out a living, a place loved by mountain walkers and climbers. Your husband, Morris, has a deep involvement with the mountain and associations with both sides. His great-granduncle, who was also a Moorish Omurthic, walked over the mountain with nothing but his boots over his shoulder and walked into a farm. I presume they had made the match beforehand. The farm of Breed Neely, his father, who was the shepherd to Lord Ventry. And they married and had two daughters. He eventually took over the post of uh, shepherd to, to Lord Ventry here. And there were always comings and goings between the two sides of the mountain. And Maurice remembers when he was a small boy, people walking down from this side of the mountain towards his village. Somebody had died and he heard this ologoning and lamenting and crying as they were coming. He was scared out of his wits. It was the cleaner which was dying out at the time. I mean, you're talking about 70 years ago, but he still remembers it. A particular memory of climbing Brandon. I climbed it there about two years ago, around Christmas time with my daughter. And what struck me was that literally I turned on my camera, my phone, on the video, and within 20 seconds, the vista opened up, it closed down and opened up again. Yeah. Twice in 20 seconds. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah. phenomenal the pace at which the, the weather changes. Yeah. You must be very careful when you go on the mountain <laughs> to know what you're at and to be properly prepared because yeah. it is, you know, it can be treacherous if you're not prepared. And that's a message for anybody. My father-in-law, God rest, had a story about a man from his village, that's Bonnahau, you know, on the other side of the mountain. And he came over here to the pattern and enjoyed all the goings-on and the, the drinking and the rounds and everything. And went home and that evening somebody from the village was deciding that it was time to visit the pattern. So he took off again and came over to the, the pattern for the second time. God. There was so much fun going on here God. at the time. Breed, introduce your poem, Cúin o Litruig, The Charm of Litter. This was written on a beautiful autumn evening from Fermoyle Strand, looking towards Stradbally and also looking back here at the heights in the west. Cúin o Litruig. Togan the Schleite, Ganaga Hord, Angulis and Romana, Baggarts and Theatre, Pyrrhus, Pyrrhus Bog, being the Bort, the Gusbrianen. Ilene Gira gan cúr na bwigin y masg ac yn maws peirca bawl bwynyn nhw ffyrn ei hynig. Yn eich titim lasther cian yr hian na sylsia sy'r rybyn cael glas dyn otrif dyna i dyr ddwgor am dyn ord ys leinsioch ffofriannin mor a wyl rydig corlwyn ys fwylon yr o salim alta hychwys na hyha. 
Irene Gohiol Haruach Narahini in order, Gugrua Lishnach Rian on Oid, a high glushot, Kandawa, Gomarga, Oskyon Hohi, Horkravin, Oskui, a Gona Ri, Riaga, Mashaha, a Grailhini in the Skeva, the charm of Latruch. The mountains raise their heads high, their shoulders and backs threatening in the west, Pyrrhus, Pyrrhus Biog, Bean the Birth and Brandon. All sharp angles without curve or softness, except for moss, which could be male or female. As night falls, lights are lit in the narrow green ribbon of settlement between the navy heights and smooth Brandon Bay, where oyster catchers, curlews and seagulls intone Thanksgiving psalms. Their harmony rises over red rushes up to the shining cheek of Autumn's Queen, who moves without hurry, majestically, above the two purple breasts of Binos Queen, her queenly dress adorned by beauteous stars. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry, brought to you in association with Virgin Media. Stay connected this Christmas with Ireland's best broadband. The seven-day branded pilgrimage walked over seven days in November. Your comments, which I will use in later programmes, text 083 300 3300 The seventh day with Mike Cronin from... Clahan to Brandon Creek. From the grotto in Clahan, well-maintained path to track into the classically cavernous valley of the Paternoster Lakes. So far, so good. But once we hit the ridge, the clouds rolled in, mist driven by a strong wind. At the summit, I hope Brendan and his fellow monks didn't have conditions like this. The track was very rough. The white posts and the crosses marked the way. Dasses had to come off. Driven mist got heavier and stronger. Knees and hips felt the impact at sea level before the cloud lifted. Altogether it took us about four hours or four and a half hours. Breed and Noel still with us. We're joined by Lurcano Caneda. Noel, how could a bunch of monks head off on a journey into the dangerous blue wilderness in hope of discovering something new, presumably the promised land of the, the saints, starting from this small creek on a rugged coastline in a flimsy boat? And look at the wild sea as we were coming down the hill these guys were experienced sailors they had lived their lives on the seas and it wasn't one person that had this wisdom it was the collective wisdom of the full crew and all of the people that were around them and it wasn't just the mission the vision of something miraculous that they were going for they were realists they knew that look it doesn't matter how exciting the mission is unless you do things practically you're going to end up in a, in a bit of a mess now the boats they used as always used in here are magnificent boats for this type of conditions they ride like a, a duck on swells swells are not a problem it's actually coming ashore is the big problem once you're out there and the weather is not ridiculously bad you will actually make passage how they managed to sustain themselves for a long journey i was on a boat trip down a river many years ago in the other part of the world down in madagascar and we were far away from any support but we had fresh meat every single day because the chickens were between my legs at the start of the journey as were the ducks but halfway through the journey there were no chickens and by the end of the journey there were no ducks so they, they were brought alive they brought live i mean it, again i would have been to the galapagos they brought turtles with them who, which could be sustained living without yeah. having to be fed then they would have fished and would have island hopped as opposed to made a massive ocean crossing yeah. on Kassan Bon where your, your husband Morish looks after the sheep 
going into Fornamanach. Breed. His father was a marvellous storyteller. Now, so is Murish. But his father would say that when he went up the Cusanbaan and out onto the ledges, he would leave his hat and stick at the top of the cliff so they'd know where to go and look for him. And Murish got a story from one of the older men in the village about uh, one of the families that lived down in Furhan the Manach. There were two families there, I'd say, maybe even until after the famine. And the man went into Dingle for shopping or whatever, and he left his wife and children behind in the hut. And a flood came, and the house filled up with Kiroga beetles, and the woman took a turn against the place. And uh, that was the end of that family in, in Fohren the Monach. Yeah. But Fohren the Monach itself, you still have the remains of the Clohan there that uh, the monks would have lived in. And there's also a part of a, a quern which they would have used for grinding corn because the land around there are the fields are called the green fields and they are very green when you look down at them from the top Uh, so they had uh, cows down there for example now how they got cows down there uh, there was actually a path in there called Kasan Namo it's all gone, everything is gone now Lurkan, the the local national school here, St Erks where your parents taught and you and all of your siblings learned the ABC what did you learn about Erk? We were taught that Erk was the first Bishop of Kerry and that he was instructed by St. Patrick and that it was he then who was the nurturer of St. Brendan. We knew he wasn't from here. Was Erk more prominent than Brendan than in the story here? Oh, not at all. The National School just up the road here from Kosovodik is Skylnave Brown Down and just west of that is Shanachil, where St. Brendan spent his adult life. That's where he had his main monastery. And looking down on us here is Mount Brendan. And we knew that was one of the main pilgrimage routes and sites in the country. There's a story about a man up in Armagh who had been convicted of killing his son. And that part of his penance was that he had to visit a certain prescribed number of pilgrimage sites and that included here at the top of Mount Brandon and the Skelligs and we went on that pilgrimage. I I remember being up at the top of the mountain the day Bishop Casey climbed it and it was an awful day and everybody was saying is he nuts? But we followed him anyway, and up we went, and he celebrated Mass in the wind and rain up there. But he was following a a huge, long tradition. My great-granduncle, Father John Kennedy, he had gone to Australia, and he was home. He fought in the First World War, and he came back, and he preached up there at the top of Mount Brandon in 1918. He preached against conscription, although he was in His Majesty's forces. So we had all that in our local history. It's very much imbued in the place. We were always made aware that this was Brendan's country. and This was his main staging point. And he went and he spent his 40 days fasting and contemplating. And that he got the inspiration for this trip looking out from the top of Mount Brandon. The cloud wasn't in that day. Well, it must have been in for those 40 days, yeah, which is a a fair miracle in itself. The place name here, Kusavodik, 
uh, it is said that the Badakh came and he hit a blow of his sword to the cliff here and he made an opening and then he hit a second blow and made a second opening and with the third blow he opened up Kusavodik. We're people who are rooted in place mm. and each village and each town and each generation, I suppose, gets a sense of this idea of, of where you are and that you're not just looking at a piece of landscape, you're not looking at a hill, you're looking at the story of the hill or yeah. the story of, say, Shanachil over there where the St. Brendan's Monastery was and it was reputed that there were disciples of his and that there would be Clochon all the way along here to Balavanuruch. The legend and the nature, it is a tremendously rich story and, and it is a matter of mining it and, and minding it. And I suppose we get to the exciting part of it and what he discovered on his voyages and we hear about him visiting various places along the way and the suggestion that possibly he got to the far side to another continent and to be honest it doesn't matter to me and probably matters less to the indigenous americans or the first nation canadians who discovered the place in the sixth century or was it leaf the lucky or was it christopher or was it brendan there are some interesting stories the tying up to the whale and uh, to me that just leaving out any kind of mythical thing it just suggests to me that there was obviously this big big whale inflated with gases because it had had died and was beginning to break down inside the boys wanted to stretch their legs so I said here's the chance tied up to this carcass knew exactly what it was they were familiar with it lit the fire to boil the kit and have a cup of tea and the fire burnt a hole in the whale and it's not unusual for whales to explode I mean there are plenty of accounts of whales exploding and their innards being scattered So that could have been the end of Brendan Well no, I think what <laughs> happened then is that there was an expulsion of noxious gases yeah. and the whale suddenly became heavier than water and disappeared it looked as if he'd come alive and died and dived, when in fact it was probably just a natural phenomenon of the gases Fantastic. exploding this programme is broadcast on Saturday, December the 30th from 9 to 11. A week later, Saturday, January the 6th, Ihan Adri Riha. Ihan Adri Riha. Er lorv nadri Riha gaim te huinach gan na guin le ihan alig na maan. Glauning al taishach an eskol lunrach. And ain kiun e fehev le huntashi. Acho vom alachig. Sheen a ruach the tullish fe chron von vienen gabarin a helishir. Famous thaw the rail, Toskunas Thobola, Chorin Trihina Lervound, Finogame, Mara Will the Holo of Shinta, and those Folter on Rilinev, the Knight of the Three Kings. In the wake of the Magi, I travelled through the Enoch bright with candles on women's Christmas night, clowning Al Shoei on the skull shining, and dingle quietly awaiting wonders. But from Maumalochig, the kingdom of light spreads under Brandon's white crown to the far cliff edge. Just as the star stopped over the stable, so three candles in a window lead me to your outstretched hands like the King Child's welcome. Probably worse to finish with. Thank you. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry, brought to you in association with Virgin Media. Stay connected this Christmas with Ireland's best broadband. A 
As we've already heard throughout today's programme, the Brendan Project has two ambitions. Story Kerry will pursue the long-term ambition to be, to be entertained by Brendan's hugely exciting story using the best of modern technology in a venue like St. Brendan's Cathedral in Artford, wonderfully conserved by the OPW. Be informed by a comprehensive Brendan archive with allied scholarship and publication to be undertaken by a third-level institution. Be challenged by Brendan's bravery, commitment and inspiration, perhaps led by the Benedictines. The former Tonish to Dick Spring has agreed to chair a coordinating group drawn from the three pillars. At the launch of the Brendan Project, he described this as visionary and hugely challenging. Dick Spring, where from here? What now? Well, it strikes me, Frank, that this should have been done a long time ago, given the importance of Ardfert in the history, the ecclesiastical history of the country. There's enormous scope for discovery in this project and to get people involved. And I think we owe it to the next generation to really leave a much better record of what happened and the importance of Ardfert in the history of the Church in Ireland and the role played by St. Brendan. Noel, you, you've graphically shown today the Brendan pilgrimage route from Ballyhigh to Brandon Creek, Kusavodig, is a living and open book of legend, of all of the aspects of nature, of antiquity, of history and folklore, but still very much a living story, the story of our place, which has so much to give us. So to, the challenge to is to put all of us in touch with that and to, to particularly imbue young people, I suppose, with that message. Yeah, I think that we tend to look at uh, the area here as being a beautiful landscape, and it is that. But I think if you think in terms of what it was like to live here without all the comforts of modern world... I think there is a lesson to be learned there and we maybe become more respectful of the place we live in if we actually do appreciate what it was like to live way back then. The creativity of so many have been inspired by Brendan. Music, poetry, drama, story. Poet Breed Nivoran, ways that can be further nurtured. Because of the beauty the, and the inspiration that the beauty gives, there's always other ways for writing poems, painting pictures. I think of that amazing statue that uh, Taigo Donahoe sculpted and the inspiration that that will provide generations as Noel has mentioned of young people because young people share that spirit of adventure you can't keep them at home but if they can see the wonders and the beauty and the sense of satisfaction that we get from discovering what is on our doorstep and it's hidden in plain sight if you like constantly calling out um, our reactions to a vision and that is, is wider than what you get from television, media, etc. Yeah, but its ability to inspire... I mean, you look at things like, the, obviously, Sean Davy and the, 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 the whole... Brendan Brendan's, Yeah, it's a tremendous, wonderful piece of music and wonderful playing of the Elan Pipes and so on, you know. So, obviously, the ambition is to create more. And that can be done by, by walking. I, I find that walking opens up the imagination really. There are so many wonderful spots along the way that you've already spoken about mm -hmm. and uh, visited and each of those can call out different creative modes. Dick, the Brendan Project looks to entertain. It, it, it stimulates scholarship. The challenge is our world but also it has huge economic potential. I think it certainly has, Frank, and I think we just keep a balance between the economic potential and the educational, cultural and all the other aspects of it. But I, I think the most important aspect really is getting the young generation to understand the importance of Artfert and the Brendan story. I think that enriches one's life, as Breed says, walking. One of the best walks in this area I've done in recent years, Christy and I, would be Kerry Head. I've driven around it many times. You don't see anything when you drive around no. it. When you walk and look over ditches... Completely different experience. Completely different. It took about three hours and with a cup of tea and a sandwich sitting on a bridge somewhere, it was paradise. Mm -hmm. But I think we've got to get young people to understand better 
their surroundings. People from Tralee, from Kerry, go off around the world looking to see things, but I think they should start at home, and we should make this very much a starting point to understand history and the background of Kerry and the Brendan story. In America, the whole Brendan story has an enormous potential because of the whole the legend of, 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 the, of the, the voyage as far as America and so on. Uh, and you go to all of the places, and I know Noel has been to a lot of these places along the way, it has huge resonances throughout Europe. I mean, every European medieval monastery has printed material. Well, there's, there's a global aspect to it, there's no doubt about that, and as well as the other, the other Irish monks and what they did in Europe through the Middle Ages. That is something we could probably link into this story as well. I think it has been lost a little bit in recent years, perhaps, I'm not sure what the... For cultural reasons or whatever, people are, everybody's in a, busy in a hurry these days. They don't take time to understand what's around. And I think we need people to slow down a little bit and just get a better understanding of the Brendan story and everything that's all its connotations. Kerry Museum in their school activities have been informing the young about Brendan. Noel, this project can challenge, it can inform, it can excite young people in all sorts of very productive ways, as you've been saying. Yeah, just a quick perspective on it. I, as I mentioned as I mentioned to you earlier, I have been to Shetland, Faroes, Greenland, Svalbard, Spitsbergen, and the other side of the world down to Madagascar because of my interest in biology. And I would have come from that background of science, technology, engineering, and maths. But that opportunity to actually bring in this science, technology, engineering, arts and maths has now become a new driving force for engagement. The whole business of art and how it is it is a practice of innovation and creativity. Science is the same thing. And what Brendan was about was innovation and creativity, exploration, discovery. And young people today, I mean, I've done all my big travels. Anything from now on will be done within Ireland because within a stone throw of where we are here, there's so many things to explore that I haven't seen yet. And I've done a lot of walking in Kerry, but there's a hell of a lot more, and that's just Kerry. Mm. So we're blessed, and I think that young people should appreciate obviously they live in a different world to the one I live in where I've got a different focus than maybe young people have now but there shouldn't be much to actually stimulating uh, interest it is that education element that is important because we're living in a world where media and communication is not a problem it's a, the vehicles are there the tools are there it's a case of actually getting somebody to bring in something creative that stimulates interest because there is as much to discover here as there is in far-flung places like Bali or wherever people go Th that route breed that Siobhan and I walked over the past 10 days or so, beginning in Ballyhaig, walking along the whole of Ballyhaig Beach, Banna Beach, right down to the end, almost into Barrow, through the, the back roads, back to Artfert. Then that circuit in Artfert through Wetherswell and Tarman Erk and that high view over Barrow Harbour and looking down again. And then the next day going from Artfert into Phoenix again, high views, Carard, uh, the association there. And going from there then, the route from Phoenix itself by the Greenway as far as the spa and then around the eastern shore, if you like, of Tralee Bay and through Blenerville, an amazing, wonderful route part of the Dingle Way, down to Derrymore, and then from Derrymore along that amazing beach that is so different in different places out to Castle Gregory. And the following day, going from Castle Gregory, again, the whole sweep of Brandon Bay, and ending up in Clahan and Crom Dove country and so on, and finally going over the height of... There isn't a walk like it anywhere. I mean, it's an amazing walk. It's a, a marvellous camino of discovery, really. And 
it's not just going to appeal to young people. I mean, when you think of adults, when you think of the way people search for meaning in their lives or meaning in their environment, they're going to discover it by going back through the history and seeing what was done. I am inspired by that statue and that image of Brendan, with his, his knee out towards the, the commotion or the battle, because that's a warrior stance. That's not just a saint and a holy man looking for adventure. He's also a warrior facing into the completely unknown, without a map or without a compass. And people today also face into the unknown, but it's an internal. And I think that we have seen from films and things like that, that a Camino can be a voyage of, of discovery of oneself, as well as one's environment. And I think of all those place names you mentioned already, Cahar Orda and Tarman Erk and Bedevoer, and the discovery of the connection between the place name and the landscape and how the environment has shaped our language and to rediscover so many aspects, both of the environment, internal and external, in the Camino of the Brenton. How could it not create more poetry? How could it not create more music? How could it not create more drama? This is like pulling rabbits out of hats, but there isn't a piece of poetry that comes to mind. Well, there's, there's to the robin, and because it mentions courage, I, I thought of Brendan and courage when I thought of that statue. Then Spidog. A einin relida, a gluki of thorum trimenogestach, Er hjólrín an úrhóm tóht hæsjöch is the lahúl hóna gmúsk lófám a vishnach gáf bægas lesham a hón abir árón. To the robin, little bird peering at me through my window, did the king of the elements send your bright breast and your cheeky glance to rouse up my courage? Give thanks to him for me. Sing a song. Dick, a last, a last word to you. Brendan is a world brandy. He gives Kerry a world story. I think it certainly emanates from Kerry and we can make Kerry the centre of the story. It is the centre of the story and let us say it's like every long journey begins with one short step and that's what the voyage we're on and we travel that together and hopefully it will enhance and enrich people's lives. My very sincere thanks to, to Dick Spring, to uh, Breed Nivoran, and to Noel Mulligan. St. Brendan's Pilgrimage, a seven-day walk from one end of Duhig Vrenen from Brendan country at Ballyhaig, which st- stops at Artsert Fienet, Derrymore, Castle Gregory and Clahan, finishing at Kusavodig, Brendan Creek, three days on the beach, a half day on the eastern shore of Tralee Bay and along parts of the Dingle Way and the last day over Brandon Mountain, up on the eastern Clahan side and down on the western side to Ballybrack, all staying together a group of not more than 13, one from each of the Brendan country communities, pace set by the slowest walker. It's a pilgrimage from Saturday, May the 11th to Friday, May the 17th, at a time when Duhig Brendan communities are staging a variety of events on getting to know St. Brendan better. On today's programme, location sound was by Siobhan Lewis, who walked the way with me, post-production by Colette Foley. Special thanks to all of those who talked with me, especially to Noel Mulligan, who set the team, and Brittany Voran, who added a special dimension. For me, Frank Lewis, thanks for your company. Francis Jones will be with you after the news. And from all of us to all of you, Happy Happy New Year! Wishing a time without wars, a time when nobody needs. And now a prayer attributed to St. Brendan. Help me to journey beyond the familiar and into the unknown. 
Give me the faith to leave old ways and break fresh ground with you. Christ of the mysteries, I trust you to be stronger than each storm within me. I will trust in the darkness and know that my times, even now, are in your hand. Tune my spirit to the music of heaven and somehow make my obedience count for you. Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry. Brought to you in association with Virgin Media. Stay connected this Christmas with Ireland's best broadband.